okay, you heard about through word of mouth, big bird is out, he's in the house, he turning up with snuffle up, they really getting their hustle up, cause they stick together like Velcro, here Grover go, there's Elmo and Cookie Monster, they look, he like to take selfies with his cell phone, they got a homegirl named Abby, her last name is Kajabi, I showed her my report card, she said, Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for late October. My name is Tom Chick. My game of the week this week is not Andrew Kazooie, Nuts and Bolts. My name is Brandon Kikowski Schnell. My game of the week is not Beyond Two Souls because that game's stupid. <laughs> Hi, this is Rob Harvey. I post on the forums as Chaplin, and my game of the week is not Combat Monsters. Is that a real game? It sure yes. is. It's it's a game I have a real love hate uh, relationship with right now. Can I make awesome. a guess? I'm going to guess it's a free to play Pokemon ripoff. No, you're closish. It's a it's a free to play tactical strategy game with a card based mechanic for summoning critters and giving inventory that. As a freemium model, beating it down. Yeah, I think I was right. <laughs> I'm going to stand by what I guessed. <laughs> uh, well, that's not your game of the week, so let's not talk about that. Let's instead, uh, let's talk briefly uh, about an issue that I think all three of us can relate to, and that is what's going on that we find ourselves playing games that are made for little kids. Uh, I know both of you guys are very open about it. I have the requisite amount of sort of, uh, not shame, but let's say sheepishness about enjoying certain children's games. So I wanted to talk with you guys about some specific examples of these. Uh, I think a lot of folks listening can understand uh, the temptation to maybe try, oh, I don't know, like a Lego game or something, uh, and can even further understand this weird, whoa, hey, I'm really liking this, it's almost like falling down a rabbit hole that's kid-sized, but here you are, an adult, uh, and you're playing a freaking Lego game. Uh, so let, let's talk about some of that, and let's start with these these Lego games, because I'm looking ahead now, a couple of months, thinking about, you know, what are going to be some of my favorite games this year? And one of them that I just can't shake, it's like a little dog on my leg, I just can't get it off, is uh, uh, Lego City Undercover, or Lego Undercover Oh, City. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it Lego City Undercover? Lego City Undercover, yeah, for the Wii U. Strictly for the Wii U, uh, which is a little odd. Um, But as far as uh, this year has seen some amazing, fantastic, just over-the-top, well-done, well-written, generously detailed open-world games, including, of course, Grand Theft Auto V, Saints Row 4, and in the same breath as those two, I would include Lego City Undercover. So, Part of me thinks, you know, the Lego cities, the Lego games, they're for kids. There's there's little cute figures. There's no real challenge to those games. You just sort of run around and break stuff and collect things and unlock new figures. It taps into that kid desire to just collect stuff, little little toys that are cute. Uh, but there are certain things about Lego City Undercover that I think transcend some of the other Lego games that just make it a really good, solidly designed game, whether you're a kid or an adult. Uh, so has either of you guys uh, spent much time with Lego City Undercover? No, I played the, the the DS version, which my understanding oh, is it's it, it's not 
Uh, throw that away right now. Brandon, I want you to take that, and I want you to throw it in the trash right now. Just like well, I don't have it, but yeah. Okay, good. Don't never rent it again or whatever happened there. Uh, it's, it's a horrible, miserable little little bastardization of the actual game. Uh, yeah, get, get away from that. Uh, so then, uh, Rob, have you done any LEGO City Undercover? It's caught my eye. I've looked at it many times walking down the aisle, but kind of as far as the LEGO games, they kind of have a off-limits sort of feel mostly in the house because um, uh, it seems like they've really kind of changed over the years but maybe I need to reevaluate this as they seem to also the games are changing again where originally like with the Lego Star Wars it was very very kid friendly very simple combat oriented then they seem like they kind of lost the ease of kids access with some of the more puzzly elements with the follow up games uh, I don't know if I would agree with that I think that um, it depends on what it is you're going for. If you're looking to find every little thing, then, yeah, I mean, certainly like in LEGO Batman 2, well, certain LEGO games are better than others. Like, um, some of the LEGO Harry Potter games could be pretty complicated in terms of, like, finding stuff and, um, but it, uh, you know, and then puzzles and stuff. And LEGO Batman 2, if you were going for everything, like, you wanted to unlock every little bit, you know, finding the right combination of, of powers and all that stuff was important. But I think that if you're just, you know, if you just kind of want to kind of go through the levels and just kind of see what you can see, I think they're still pretty kid-friendly. Um, I think it's more a question of, okay, well, you know, is is the game any good? Because they certainly have some stinkers. Um, but... Um, what are what are some of the stinkers and what makes them stinkers? Well, I, well, Lego Indiana Jones two, you know, it, it was basically just you know they had already done they they didn't like doing multiple Lego Star Wars games makes sense because there's multiple Star Wars movies so you could say these were the first three these were the second three whatever doing multiple Lego Batman games somewhat makes sense because those are original stories Lego Indiana Jones two my understanding is the only thing they added I think was the the, the crystal skull. And then they just kind of retreaded scenes that they had already done before. Um, so, so sort of you know, this like, idea of milking a franchise rather than yeah. sort of joy or affection for the franchise going into the creation of it. Right. And, and I think, Tom, I, I think, you know, Lego games are, it's one of those things where it's like, they, you know, they were really smart in doing things the way that they, they did them because... You know, the hook to those games to where, you know, adults would want to play it is because they were all based on movies that adults grew up with mm-hmm. and, and started showing their kids. So even though, yeah, like, you know, it's a kid's game, it's a Lego game, you know, the Traveler's Tales team, they have a really wicked sense of humor. So those cutscenes that they do are typically pretty funny. And they're funny for kids, but they're more funny for adults who kind of grew up watching these movies and can more relate to what they're doing. Now, here's so, where... Uh, here's where I want to take issue with you, Brandon, because I, I think the, for me the revelation in, in Lego City Undercover was that it doesn't rely on that that licensing. I mean, I think that licensing right, is, yes. a, is an important hook, but in Lego City Undercover they don't have the luxury of that at all. It's a completely right. new IP. It's just it, it's kind of riffing on '80s action movies, if anything. So, right, so there might again, be a little bit of that for, stuff, for the adult. Right. But, but even then, it's not that, over. That you can you can you don't have to feel ashamed. Or for liking a Lego game because they're kind of hitting you and to hook to draw you in they're kind of hitting you in that somewhat nostalgic sweet spot. Well, I was going to say even then it's not really that overt the reference to '80s action movies. I mean it's standard cop drama stuff that 
I imagine is even even today you can see that stuff on TV. Uh, so I don't think there's any explicit nostalgia in Lego City Undercover. It's just pure game design. Uh, you know, it's 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 open world. I mean, if anything, maybe the nod is more to Grand Theft Auto, the the those games with the open city, uh, and you're a cop, or there's a it's Colonel. Is Clutch Powers in that one or no? No, the main guy is, I want to say John McClane. That's the obvious reference. His name is uh, Chase McClane. Chase McClane. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but but the, the it, it's pure design. It's just it's an open city. Uh, there's a lot of collectibles. They have this cool concept. There's even a little bit of an economy where you collect studs like you always did to unlock figures. But then there are super bricks you collect. There's a different resource that you use to create new edifices around the city. And in a way, uh, you're changing the shape of the city. You're changing, not, not quite that dramatically, but you're kind of changing the skyline. You'll, you'll create a new monument in an area, and every time you drive by, you'll see it, and you'll think, hey, you know, I, I built that. I added that to the city. Um, and there's certainly this idea of a, a whole new stable of vehicles. I don't know. I guess the Batman game had a bunch of vehicle stuff in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had tons of vehicles. Um, but but there's a lot of, like, vehicles and, of course, the figures and making your own figures, and it was completely divorced from any license. So it, it wasn't, in one sense, it wasn't familiar superheroes, but it was just all these this crazy bag of different pieces. You know, you could have a Frankenstein head or a zombie body or an astronaut suit or a farmer's overalls or whatever goofy hat you want. Um, so... Uh, for me, I mean, even though I know they do a great job of riffing on these licenses, and that's a good hook for some adults, Lego City Undercover succeeded without any of that stuff. Right. Uh, well, I think, though, they, I think they, they, I mean, even though they use the Batman license, this, you know, the fact that it was an original story in Batman 2, I mean, that, there were some really hilarious moments in, in that that game specifically like in terms of like the you know robin's you know infatuation with superman and then then batman's kind of pushed back against that so i mean they even when they you know they they use that license as, as just kind of like a way to is like the you know a way to kind of get started so to speak but you know they're, they're definitely capable of just kind of being funny and creative and and whatever on their own and that, to me, is, a, is I think a huge part of it is uh, that they're actually well-written. And I don't yeah. know that a lot of children's games, including the, a couple <laughs> of the other ones that we're going to talk about, I don't know that you can say that about those. Probably uh, not. Uh, and so, so for me, you know, I, I sit there and I play these single-player missions in LEGO City Undercover, and I can play them with my roommate's eight-year-old in the same room, and we're both really digging them. And I'm not, like, I've watched other shows. I saw Despicable Me with this kid, and I, I thought that was a terrible movie. And, uh, you know, I kind of watched it just because he was enjoying it. And uh, But I feel like this stuff is, is genuinely good regardless of how old you are. Um, mm-hmm. So so there's that. Now, you guys are both parents, so I want to bring this up for you. Uh you know, I don't have the good fortune to. Have, I, I'm not raising a child, and uh, so I, it's easy for me to play these Lego games where I'm constantly running around, and my main means of interacting with the world is to smash stuff. Well, that's the yeah. whole point in Lego games. Mm-hmm. But in, in Lego video games, it's it's completely yeah. counter to the points to the point of Legos, the actual physical real-world Legos, which are all about building things and creativity. Well, uh, yeah, but, but you know, a big part of, I think, Lego is, uh, you know, I mean, okay, so there's kind of two camps for Legos. There's people like me 
we say, okay, I want I want the thing. I want the thing that's on the box. So I get this set. It has the instructions on how to build the thing in the box. I build the thing in the box. I'm happy. It goes up on a shelf. Yay for me. But right. then, you know, there's just kind of this notion of that thing on the box is just kind of the starting point. And so maybe they build it just to see what it looks like. But then they just smash it all up to see, well, what else can I do with it? And neither yeah. of those is present, though, in, a, in, a, in any LEGO video game that I can think of. As far as Legos go in the house, what I've really noticed is is that's very much true. You build the thing once, maybe, and then you disassemble it and you just make random stuff. It seems like what the kids care more about or they're mostly interested in are the characters that are in the box. So I think yeah. when they see them in the in the game worlds, like Lego Batman 2 is very popular because uh, I think that's when they kind of turned around and they went more open-worldy, uh, less puzzly. But Lego Batman's very popular here. It's very popular with his friends, and they're just excited about you know, controlling Joker or or Batman or, or or whatever, and it's really not. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought of Legos as building stuff, and I don't I don't think that's really as much as it. It's more about it's like a a weird offshoot of of the intellectual property now, where it's not really even about building. It's just like a like for example, uh, kiddos really into the idea of dressing up as as Lego Joker this year, not because he's really into Legos or building anything. He just likes the weird kind of different look of Joker in the Lego lens, so to speak. Yeah. So it sounds like what you guys are telling me, though, is that this whole idea of using Legos to build stuff, even with physical Legos, that's not necessarily the case anymore. I, no. I think it's... I think it. I think that Legos have become... I mean, kind of what they always were, and just kind of a way to express your own kind of creativity. If you, I mean, they, like I said, for me, the, you know, I like having the thing that they make, because I can't make that thing on my own. I mean, I, you know, when I see some of these sets, they do. Like, I, I, I like some of the more, um, like, I have the 1965 Volkswagen bus set because, I mean, that it's awesome. It looks like the real thing, and there's no way I would be able to build that on my own. You could put me, you could give me every Lego ever made and put me in a room for 50 years, and I would never come up with this thing. Um, but, you know, my son, he would build stuff, and then he'd just, you know, kind of take it apart and go, all right, well, what else, you know? What else can I do with it? But uh, so it doesn't bother you that that's not present in the Lego video games, though. No, not at okay. all. I don't. I don't really know if kids. I, I think kids have Minecraft for that now. <laughs> right. To be yeah, they, that's exactly it. Um, I I don't think that kids want that in a Lego game. I don't think that. I mean, and there you know, there's a little bit of that. Like, okay, you, you know, you find some bricks on the ground, and then you know, you you turn it into a. Uh, you know, you use it to build something to help you get past the stage. But, I mean, obviously, it's kind of, you don't get a choice as to what it is you're building. But um, I think Minecraft has kind of taken that role of being, like, a Lego com- computer game. I think that, you know, the just, and maybe if they had gone down, if Lego had gone down that road initially, um, kids would have would have liked it. But I think, you know, like what Rob was saying, you want to kind of play as these characters. But you also, you know, you, you, you just kind of want to, maybe play through the stages, maybe you've seen the movie, you want to see, you know, kind of what they do with it, that type of thing. And then if you want to build stuff, then you, you go play Minecraft. One, one of the things that I really like in, in the Lego games and that I imagine you guys as parents must also really appreciate, uh, and this is unfortunately missing from Lego City Undercover, uh, is the ability to play cooperatively. Um, to just either you as a father can be playing and just have a kid tag along, or you could just let the, the kid play and you yeah. can help when needed. Uh, but I imagine that's a really important part of why these have sort of cross-parent-kid appeal, uh, is that, that co-op support. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like you know, it's the you know the the notion of uh, you know any kids movie also being you know good for adults to watch. Right. Right. Yeah, um, it's the same kind of thing. Lego was definitely a stepping stone for for uh, some of the other stuff that I'm clearly interested in. Uh, whereas the kind of kind of the question was a then what because Lego was kind of and I think is is still is the iconic like this is the cooperative game you can play with with kids or young adults and then the kind of the question is you know what else but so, I mean it's so the idea of taking a Lego game and not having cooperative that seems like that's a weird sidestep there. Uh, to in in defense of Lego City Undercover, it was also a, a new studio. It's the studio that did all their DS ports, I believe. And yeah. they finally let them say, you know, they said to them, "Hey, you guys make your own full blown game." Uh, and I guess for whatever reason, they couldn't get co op in there, uh, which is a shame because uh, it's well. But I, I mean, maybe is it because they use the gamepad so much? doesn't need to use the gamepad so much and there are oh, other okay. games of course that do use the gamepad where somebody else could have a controller uh i i think it just for whatever reason wasn't part of what uh, of their design uh, mandate right. I, I guess because it's very you know it's very important like when my son and i would play skylanders i would strip like the importance of being a, a good a good co-op partner you know because <laughs> and i'm and i'm dead serious like i mean you know what it means to be a good co-op partner you know because if you're standing off here just you know, popping off your powers because you like what the animation looks like, and I'm getting killed by goblins. That's not a good co-op partner. <laughs> you know, if, if we're trying to, you know, if we're trying to go to this place over here, and you're kind of lagging along so that no, no, you know, we can't make progress. That's not being good. You know, if you don't need any health, and you just take it, that's not being a good co-op partner. You know, and these, and it's all, it's just social interaction stuff. But I think that there's. There's kind of a set of social interactions that take place when you're playing video games that you wouldn't necessarily think of. And then when you add just the lights and the sounds and just the general excitement of playing them in the first place. And, you know, I've played with my fair share of shitty co-op partners. And I'm sure Petey would tell you that from time to time I have been a shitty co-op partner. So I just try, you know, it's a good opportunity just to kind of teach your kid, you know, a good way to be and a good way to play with other people, even if it's people that you're not comfortable with or, or you don't know real well. If you get on with a bunch of randoms, like you don't want to be that guy, you know, you most likely they'll be that guy. So there's no reason for you to be that. Brandon, I need to put you in touch with a few of my adult friends. Have you given the talking to? <laughs> yeah, no, Brandon, well, you know, it's funny. Makes- I was, I was, I was talking about this with my wife that you know, I, you know, Petey and I have been playing co-op together for a long time now, and whenever I play co-op with somebody else, I always feel like I'm kind of like. Like I'm breaking somebody, you know. You're kind of like like when you if I'm assuming you'd be like if you if you hadn't dated for a while and then you started dating, you're trying to feel out. Okay, well, you know, how does this person, you know, like what do they, you know, like, how do they play? Like, you know, are they are they all business? Are they jokey? You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. It's like, oh, who needs that? <laughs> like, just stick with the partner I have. <laughs> uh, I, you know, obviously Tom playing with you is always a joy because we we seem to to work pretty well together. So. Well, I think playing with anyone I, I know outside of the game, uh, I'll take. But sure. you're, you're right. When you're playing with a, a random stranger, it feels a little weird. And uh, there, Well, I've played with people I know outside of the game. Yeah? And it, and I, it hasn't been... Um it hasn't been as fun as I thought it would be. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Diablo or any sort of game that has open-world loot that everybody can grab, it can get scary pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do like this idea, though, of the Lego games being a good uh, way to teach children that kind of sportsmanship. Uh, very nicely put, Brandon. 
Uh, well, let, let's then transition to a game that I, I want to talk about that I'm, I'm going to have a harder... This is the one where I'm still a holdout. I can appreciate these games, and I, I can't shake... They're, I don't know if it's just that they're not for me or that I don't understand why adults would like them. But, Brandon, tell us a bit about a co-op game, or a co-op game, a children's game that you just reviewed, that you're a huge fan of this franchise, that I just don't understand. Uh, so the Pokemon games, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of Pokemon since um, Pikachu Yellow, which I bought with my Game Boy Color back in God a long time ago in the, in the land before before kids uh, so that was a long time ago um, I mean I can certainly understand why people who um, maybe have liked Lego games or have uh, you know maybe liked Skylanders that type of thing wouldn't be into it because I mean you know you're, you're playing as a kid you know I mean this Pokemon X and Y you're kind of more teenagerish um, but you know before you, you kind of were playing as a kid and it is a very kid centered i think um game world and kind of fantasy where like okay you know i i can find all these monsters and make them be my friends and then we fight other monsters and it's all um so you know i think of all the games we're going to talk about tonight um even and, and i would include the ones that that you know have toys with them this is the one that is most obviously uh, i think kind of directed towards kids okay um and so I think that can be off-putting for people. Um, the reason that I like it so much is, um, I mean, I'm a just I'm a giant kid at heart, uh, good or bad. I, my my wife oftentimes will say she has three children, um, and it's and so it just kind of taps in to that for me. But it's also you know there's a lot of um, kind of really interesting tactical choices that you're forced to make um, when you're playing the game, and then just the you know. I, I think that the um, Game Freak and their um, their Pokemon designers are some of the most creative people working in games today. I mean, some of these character designs they come up with are, are just amazing to see. And so, you know, it, I mean, I, I like the combat. I like the fighting. The story I really don't care very much about. It's it's typically always kind of the same thing. Um, you know, there's, there's some team and they're doing bad things with Pokemon, so stop them. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like, you know, just that, okay, what, what's around, you know, I think what Pokemon does really well that a lot of games don't is kind of going, okay, what's around the next corner? Like, you know, what's around the next corner in that, okay, I see a kid standing on the side of the road. Well, I'm going to have to fight him. Okay, but when what does that mean? Like, what is he going to throw out? What am I going to use if I just got a new guy? If I just got a new creature, what you know? What moves have I not used before? Okay, this guy's going to level up. If he levels up, what move is he going to want to learn? And then what move am I going to have to forget? You know, stuff like that. Like, there's to me, there's just a really good you know, kind of unknown factor of like, okay, well, I don't know what the next battle is going to bring. If I walk in this grass, what am I going to find? Is it going to be something I've already seen a bunch of times? Is it going to be something that I've wanted forever and I have never seen? I mean, or, you know, stuff like that. Like, and that's what really gets me Mm -hmm. about that game. It's just kind of this feeling that, you know, at any moment you could just kind of come across something like really awesome. Now, granted, what that awesome thing is, is still grounded in, you know, Pokemon itself. It's not like a GTA Five where you could be like driving down the street and somebody could ask you for a ride and then where that takes you maybe you know a thousand crazy different places. Um, You're always going to get some little creature with four slots for moves, pretty much. Yes. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Rob, do you have any? I don't. I. I 
if I'm not mistaken, aren't you just dipping your toe into Pokemon's? Pretty much. Your expression that you had is exactly where I was at. I've, I've looked at Pokemon for years, and I even walked around stores with it in my hand, saying, "I'm gonna, you know, I'm not sure if this is a kid's game. It seems like a lot of adults like this one, but I just could never quite pull the trigger on it. I would just, and then this year with the updated graphics and kind of some reflections on, you know, my own debates about you know Skylanders and how that you know fits into the kid adult type balance equation and so I finally jumped in on this one well so as an adult how is it working out for you but real quick did you pick up X or Y uh, well we picked up both but I'm personally playing <laughs> yeah I'm personally playing Y but that's what oh that's a, okay so you're the same as me I my, my son it was I got a form for his birthday and then uh, yeah he, he got X and, and I took Y all right, so uh, Rob Harvey, your first dip into why? How's that going as a, as an adult? Not necessarily for its kid appeal. Uh, how are you finding Pokemon Y? I just, you know, unlike the other two, I'm not sure what to categorize this game as because it's it's. I'm not sure if I could really call it adult or if I can call it kid. It's just, I I think Brandon was in in your review where you talked about how it's 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 kind of made its own. It's carved its own yeah. niche out or its own, and it really is. I just. If anything, I'm, I don't know what. It's it's so almost weirdly like graphical spreadsheety or like yeah, you're doing absolutely fantasy football <laughs> breeding or something. I mean, it's, yeah. no, he's it's, absolutely right. And there's so much more of that that has un, that is actually uncovered to the user now that never was before. It, but still, it is so difficult. Like. When I try to play this game, like when I'm not playing it, like when I'm reading your diary or I'm lo- lo- watching videos or I'm even looking over uh, Patty's shoulder when she's playing the other version, I'm like, I really want to go play this. I want to pop it open. I play it for like five, ten minutes, and this like anxiety really sets in where the franchise seems so built around these one-way doors where you make a decision and you can never go back and you've missed no, out that's, on something. No, that's not true. That that it does seem that way. There's okay. There are two points in the game where that's true, when you pick your starter, mm-hmm. and in this game, when you get to pick a starter from the earlier games, uh, which is new. They've never done that before, to my understanding. Like they, So, yes, so in that regard, um, you know, they, um, you're kind of at a, I don't want to say it's a point of no return, but, you know, you, 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 you do feel like, shit. You know what am I? What have I done? What if I picked the wrong starter? But anything else, I mean, you can you can very easily just spend a little time. Like if you if you you know learned a move for uh, for somebody and then you you for you you decided to forget a move, well, who cares? Just chances are you can go find that guy again, and then you could you could just level him up and then go the other way if that's what you really wanted to do. Like this, I mean, I understand what you're saying, and it can be very daunting. Because there's a there's kind of a lot going on, but in terms of like a, a feeling like there's a point of no return, like you don't have to feel that way at all. There's there's just so many opportunities to kind of catch and recatch things. Um, if you or like you know you could you can drop a Pokemon off at a daycare center and then breed another one and then kind of start fresh. And that's and that's where I think some of the tactical stuff comes in. Is like this game if you just play it like to go through the story, like that's one that's certainly one way to play it. That's one way that a lot of people play it. But then there's this whole other kind of competitive scene where you're selectively, you know, breeding, you know, Pokemon to, um, 
to have certain powers so that you can you can be competitive with them and fight against other people. And I mean, if you th- and I mean, this game is a bit easier than other ones. But then if that's if that's not enough, go online and then see the teams that, well, that people come up with and the powers and all that stuff. And that's like, to me when it gets more complicated. I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at, because, I mean, I hear these things you're saying, and I have discovered some of them from asking questions in the forum and whatnot, and sometimes the questions, the answers come back in almost a foreign language, but it seems this thing is so seeped in its own history that it's really, like, you know, I don't necessarily know about a Pokemon daycare, or to me, when I have, like, oh, I'm going to forget a move, how am I ever going to find this move again, and, 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 and like, like Pikachu, like, Pikachu's all over the place when you go to that one little spot. Yeah. But I noticed once you, like, if you happen to go forward one screen and, you know, where you dump off that character and you come back, suddenly there's no Pikachu there. Well, so if you missed Pikachu, yeah. you'd have to really hunt to find Pikachu again. And that, that happens with some, sometimes, yes. I mean, here, here's the thing. And I, I get what you're saying. What you have to keep in mind about Pokemon is that it's, ex- and it's, it's an extremely generous game. And so it is very easy to feel like, oh, shit, I missed something. And I missed something that's really cool. But there is something equally as cool just waiting around the corner. Um, And that's what I like about the game. Um, So, you know, try not to worry about whether or not you missed something. Because there's a pretty good chance that the, the Pokemon you're kind of worried about now in terms of either missing or having forgotten a move, there's a pretty good chance, you know, five, ten hours from now, they're not even in your team anymore. Because you find somebody else and you're like, okay, that guy needs to be in my team. He's really cool. And then you'll kind of have spent time worrying about stuff that isn't even isn't even um, kind of relevant anymore. Uh, right. Well, I guess I'll, I'll need to keep that in mind. And to, to try to answer, go back to your, your original question, Tom. So when I'm looking at Pokemon, as an adult, aside from what we just said, it's actually surprisingly like got some good hooks to it. It's it's kind of remind me of trying to play uh, Dominions for the first time, where it's really kind of confusing. I don't understand the systems, but trying to label it as just a kids game seems kind of really weird to me. Well, here's here's where I've it's always kind of bounced off me, and I've never really fully invested in in any of the Pokemon games, but. Uh, I, as a fan of strategy games, I'm intrigued with this idea of a huge ecology of different creatures and different moves, and it all feeds into a, a tactical combat system. Um, but when I end up playing, I I always feel like, okay, it's, it's just things taking turns punching each other. Uh, it, it's this classic JRPG model of... And, and, and is it really different even from the Persona games, for instance, of I'm going through this storyline, and I'm getting new creatures, and I try this creature punching that creature, and maybe one of them has elemental resistance or doesn't, maybe one of them has a leveled-up move or doesn't, and finally one of them punches the other one's hit points away, and I get some XP, and I'm done. And I I just kind of feel like if I'm going to do that, I would rather do something with a slightly more adult skew, like a Persona game. Now, I, is, I that, is that, that an unfair... Oh, I mean, does, does that kind of make sense? Like, would you sort of yeah. feel that that's not being unfair to Pokemon, Brandon? I don't think that's being unfair. I think okay. that I look at it as I played Persona 4, and I was like, if I'm going to be doing this, I don't want to relive high school. I want to, like, like to me, uh, I, I didn't like Persona 4 Golden because it, the kind of the social sim stuff I didn't like at all. I was like, I don't really want to have to worry about. And that's, Rob, kind of getting back to what you were talking about with Pokemon. 
you know, with Persona 4, I was like, well, should, should I study? Should I, what, should I hang out with this person? Should I build this relationship? And then I start to get worried, well, I didn't, so maybe that's going to affect <laughs> things. And then, you know, the combat is what I really liked. But, you know, you're kind of limited somewhat in it, or I guess when you can do it or whatever. Um, and Tom, I kind of had the same reaction that you did, only the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, well, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to have monsters at my disposal, and I'm going to work on leveling up their moves, and I'm going to, you know, trying to figure out what move is best against other monsters, I'd rather do that playing Pokemon than I would playing a game where half the time I have to pretend I'm back in high school. <laughs> well, but isn't that uh, just a lot of le- a lot to do with your history with Pokemon, though? Like, for me, it's a blank slate. I could go Pokemon or Persona. doesn't matter to me. I, I don't know a Pikachu from a one of the demons in Persona. So right. isn't that for you more a matter of you just have this built-in innate affection for Pokemons? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, because okay. I typically kind of turn-based JRPGs I don't really care about, mm-hmm. but Pokemon is its own thing. Um, and and I think it's because you know there's there's kind of there's the collection aspect there's the you know kind of the the notion of of um, developing you know like a like a bond with your team you know there's kind of all that stuff that you know and just like a typical kind of maybe JRPG it's just like okay whatever you know you just kind of move on to the next battle or well if I could insert though uh, having also dipped into Persona as well um, I I don't know I, I I hear what Brandon said about. The, the combat focus, and I, that's definitely, I'd agree. I mean, I'm, I am neutral. I don't really care about the teenage drama of the Persona games, and I'm also pretty darn neutral on the Pokemon stuff. But what I do like about Pokemon is you, just, just personal preferences. I am a very combat-heavy preference-type game. So I see, you know, when you compare the both, yeah, they both are kind of that Jap- or JRPG-type gameplay, but, you know, one is, like, in the direction of, I don't know, <laughs> civilization or something, where you have all these, like, social interactions parts of the game whereas the other one's more a, uh, a straight up RTS type thing where it's like really the nuts and bolts are pretty much combat granted in both of them you're still trying to find all these different combinations or abilities or strategies that will work but one of them's you don't have these huge chunks of time where you're doing something that has nothing to do with the, the combat element where it seems like in Pokemon it's pretty much always you're you're working on improving an ability or or critter or fighting and almost all the time so that part i like yeah i mean and and there certainly is some of that stuff in pokemon uh, but it's it's if you don't want to spend the time doing it then you don't have to you don't uh, have no. to spend time petting your your bee all the time or giving it berries or whatever no you don't have to if you don't want to wait a minute you can <laughs> pet a bee in pokemon it's a little disturbing actually that's the one I mean, part where i get kind yeah. of embarrassed because <laughs> you can like talk to them or right. look at mm-hmm. them and it's doing all or these make, like make this, funny faces yeah it's doing this nintendo hooks right and you can pet <laughs> them with a little it's like i'm kind of like looking over patty i'm like i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> so i've got some it's, very unhappy pokemon the, um, <laughs> was the saturday night live skit the if you were a gay bee <laughs> like, <laughs> uh does either of you do any of the harvest moon games no because i'm a sucker for those and i don't know that those are kids games so much as really cutesy and japanese uh yeah i kind of think they're i kind of they're more like animal crossing where i feel like they could be kids games but i don't know if they're necessarily you would you would call it a kids game well you know i'm glad you mentioned animal crossing because before we segue to another one uh i can't stand animal crossing and i don't know that it's just that it's a kids game or there's so little gameplay there is animals is animal crossing for kids is that what's going on there I don't think I wouldn't call it a kids game. I think I, 
I think that um, if you were to tell a kid, hey, okay, so there's this game where uh, basically what you do is you get up in the morning and then you go, you catch some bugs, maybe you pick some weeds, uh, maybe you, you set up a fundraiser for a fountain, you know, uh, <laughs> write a letter to your mom, maybe buy some shorts. I think they'd be like, what in God's name are you talking about? <laughs> it's that kind of that Sims element where, where it's like, your entertainment is mimicking life in some weird way that I guess an adult likes, but a kid would be like, "Why would I want to do chores on my right. video game?" And that, right. that's exactly the animal or the the Harvest Moon situation too. Is that's all about doing chores and fiscal responsibility and planting crops and trying to get an, a return on your investment and uh, yeah, very adult kind of stuff. Um, uh, well, okay. Well, Rob, here's now where I can start. Uh, adding to the discussion more because I, I've never played a Skylanders game. You've done some coverage for us for the previous Skylanders. You uh, went out there and visited Vicarious Visions to do a now, preview. And what, what? Where is, is Vicarious Visions? Are they still in Troy? No, Albany, New York. Uh, oh, so they moved all... I See, I went to school at, at RPI and that's where Vicarious Visions they were um, they were founded in the, the incubator at RPI. So um, I wasn't sure if they were still at the university or if they, they moved... I don't. I don't know half of what you just said. It sounded like Pokemon stuff. <laughs> you didn't say anything um, about a stone or yeah, no. Our, or Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. It's one of the nation's premier engineering schools. Suck at MIT. Um, they <laughs> they have various visions comes from. They have an incubator, and in Vicarious Visions uh, is a company that was founded in the incubator uh, at RPI. Okay. So the two guys are RPI graduates. Um, well, they, they're also now the developer of the newest uh, Skylanders after two franchises, after two, uh, whatever you call them, installments, iterations from uh, Toys for Bob, who originally created this Skylanders thing. Uh, and Rob, you've been uh, with this uh, from the beginning, right? You didn't just come in on Giants, did you? No, no, no. Uh, it was actually sort of came off of, of Lego with, with my frustration with Lego and trying to figure out, because we got the Indiana Jones game and it really wasn't working, and he kind of wanted to do the Clone War game, and I, we were like, eh, we looked at the demo and we're like, oh, no. So I'm like, there's got to be some other cooperative games that, I, that we can play as a family game, and I kind of did some reading about this thing, and I was like, hmm, this looks possible. So no, we got into Spyro's adventure early on, and... Wait, what's that? That's, that's the original sorry, that, Skylanders. That is the first oh, 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 right. Okay. That, is, that is the first product. Second one was Giants. Third one was Salt Force. And of the three, I would I would go ahead and label Spyro's Adventure as straight up a kid's game. Um, it doesn't seem to have some of the other hooks that that I think more of a more transitional type game. And it was just a much a much easier game, and it just. It just had a different feel to it, but it seems like they've really kind of developed over time. But, but Spyro Adventure was kind of like, okay, we'll kind of jump in. And it really wasn't popular back then. I mean, almost nobody heard about it until it was too late, and scalpers were just destroying yeah. parents, you know, in the, the Christmas crunch and the post-Christmas crunch because these kids had this new game and no figures to buy. It was – I was glad we picked it up and we did. So I mean, uh, just well, the fact that they had to tie Spyro into it, like, <laughs> my son asking me, he's like, who's Spyro? I'm like, ah, I used to be in games. Oh, yeah, that's that's the funny thing, because it, it was kind of a Spyro, it's, Spyro was their big IP hook, and now it's like, nobody cares, it's all about yeah, Spyro. I, I didn't even buy Spyro for, for Giants, I'm like, yeah, who cares, I, I have a purple dragon, her name's Cinder, I'm like, oh, what do I need <laughs> two of them for? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, they... Uh, uh, Toys for Bob actually approached Activision with this. They had this idea, and I so, at least in Swap Force, see the kernel of what Toys for Bob was doing back with Star Control 2, with Unholy Wars, uh, 
And it seemed like that they had this plastic dimension to also sell the figures that they wanted to do. And I can't imagine where else, in terms of pitching this to Activision, they're going to plug it in. <laughs> so it did feel like, you know, we've got a, a square peg. You know, what, what hole can we pound this peg into? And, and besides Skylanders, I don't know what Activision had. Uh, but so uh, I want to I ask you guys again, as parents, um, do you have any reservations about I, I look at Swap Force, and I see how it's... It's, it's built, and I would almost say how the design is built around encouraging collection. Uh, yes. And, and, and to me, I see that as an, an early instance of, of getting kids into consumer culture, like wanting more, just wanting stuff, wanting to acquire stuff. And when you put that in a little virtual world like, like a Lego or certainly the Pokemon games, even though the Pokemon franchise has other sort of forms of collection uh, – I guess that's one thing when it's self-contained there. But but one of my concerns that I wonder if other parents share about Skylanders is that it's encouraging this this desire to collect, to acquire more stuff outside of the virtual space. Um, doesn't Skylanders make kids want to buy in an insidious way that other video games don't do? Well, okay, I, I hear what you're saying, especially with that last sentence. But look, kids need no encouragement to, to yeah, want to buy and that collect. That is already there. Okay. I mean, it, there. it is there in droves. I mean, it, it, yeah. it comes from just watching, just looking at their cereal box, they'll want to go and buy yeah, something. It doesn't, it's amazing to me to see how that just... Like it happens just by them. Be, it's like they suck it out of the brain of other children. You know exactly. I mean, that's how I like Minecraft and the stuff. I mean, he goes off to daycare, and next thing I know, regardless of what he was interested in that morning, now he's interested in something else and wants to go get something else. So he did. They don't. That has no real element. If anything, I kind of appreciate that it makes an easy upgrade path for you know, not necessarily me as a parent because I know exactly what he's into, even if it changes with the wind, but. You know, it makes Christmas or birthdays really easy on other family members. It's like, look, he's into these games. Here's like right. 25 figures he doesn't have. Go have at it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that's that's all right. But when you say in a video game, then okay, you, yeah, it's a little different because it's in a video game. But heck, I think I'd rather have him wanting a you know 10 to 15 dollar Skylander figure than wanting yet another you know cuz he doesn't really understand money that much he another 100 dollar lego set because he just wants the one little figure in there mm-hmm. yeah so. i i would agree with that or like my son this past year he just turned 11 he had his his birthday list had was thousands of dollars of electronics and i was like dude who do you think <laughs> whose kid do you think you are like did i come into money and i didn't know about it and i want and i'm like man last year you just wanted like uh you know, Skylander toys or whatever. Well, he wasn't into it then uh, last year, but you know, last year is like such a huge difference. I mean, it and and certainly just because, I mean, Tom, I understand what you're saying, and, and you certainly don't want to encourage it simply because it's already there. But you know, this is not a situation where where where, where your kid is gonna like um, not want things or this type of thing simply because. Um, you know they're not exposed to it, and the other side is I think they've you know they do a good job. I think it sounds like less so in in, in Swap Force, but you know you could you could play the whole game with just the the figures that come, um, you know, with the starter kit. So it's not like you know I mean you pay seventy five dollars. Granted, it's fifteen dollars more than uh, than a regular game, but you figure you typically get three figures in the portal. So you know you know you're kind of getting some figures free. And the fact is, I mean you could play. You know, you could play the entire game with those figures. You're not going to unlock everything, 
Um, but at least yeah, you can play things. That's definitely not the case in Swap Force, I would say, just because you're constantly confronted by doors for figures that you don't have if you've just got the, the base set. Well, yeah, what Brandon's saying is... you can still is, finish is, the game. Yeah, right, right. It's, but, yeah, it's but true I, you I, can. But, but to, to put to lock content, I mean, as far as to lock meaningful content and to basically put it in your nose that, hey, here's a door. Yes. And you can see, by the way, a lot of times what's on the other side of that door. You see the little twirling gift box. You see the whole little level back there. Um, you even get on the little checklist. Like there's a whole – each level you can earn three stars. And one of the stars you can't earn unless you have a Skylander of every element and, yeah. furthermore, a Skylander giant. Um, so – Yes, you can get to the end of the storyline with just what you've got, but I don't think you can see all the you cannot see all the content. No, you can't. You, and, yeah. and and Giants was the same way. But I guess my point is that you know it, it's something where you could you can kind of meter it out. You know, if you were really hold on one second. We lost Brandon. He's sorry. I, I I tried. To, I didn't want to cough into the microphone. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think if you know if you were concerned about your kid kind of wanting more and more and more, you know you, this would be a way to at least say, okay, look, we can do this stuff now. We can have a good time with what we have right now, and then down the line, you, you buy another figure, and then we can do more stuff. And then you know, you can kind of meter it out. It doesn't have to be something where, you know, I, I think you know we kind of, I don't know, I, I have a tendency to go, well, you know, maybe the, the game says we need this stuff, so okay, let's go batshit crazy. Right. And buy hundreds of dollars worth of figures, and it's like, no, they don't. You know, your kid doesn't need that. And most likely, your kid probably doesn't want that. Like, he just wants to play the game at first, and it's going to take a little bit of time, maybe before they get to the point where it's like, okay, I want all of them or most of them or whatever. Right. Um, well, but but Brandon, and I, I you know, again, I, I feel a little weird arguing this because I'm not the one here who's raising a child. But so again, I I really like hearing you guys' perspective on this, but. I, you say that, I know you could work around this, and I know you could use it uh, as a lesson to teach children, look, you can't have everything, but wouldn't you rather give a child a game that is self-contained, that doesn't have built into the design a business well, sure, model yeah. to sell yes, other toys? Absolutely. So as yes. I'm playing Skylanders and I see that this is clearly put here to get me, and me as an adult is one thing, but if I if a child is playing, it's clearly put there to get the player, whether it's an adult or a child, to want more figures. Oh, more and when that's choice, done yes. for a child, I feel that that's uniquely insidious. I as an adult who can play open-ended MMOs and ha- have to exercise my own impulse control, you know, that's part right. of what I've learned as an adult and as a gamer. A, a child doesn't really have that yet, and so I just kind of feel like there's something insidious going on. Uh, with the Skylanders, and you know, tell please tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I, I definitely. No, I, I think I think there's definitely something to that. Although I do think that I mean, Lord knows, I mean, I I've watched, you know, my fair share of Transformer cartoons as a kid, and those cartoons existed solely to sell toys. Like they, now granted, you weren't paying for them, so like the the, the cartoons, but um, I, I I agree with you. I mean. You know, it's it's really no different than like a free to play game that you know then kind of nickels and dimes you to get all the the cool powers and whatnot. Yeah, that's that's a fair comparison. I would say it is pretty similar to the free to play model as far as some of the adult games go. And I I do agree with you, Tom. In fact, I am I really and I didn't feel this way until I had a kid 
in you know my life. I really despise fast food and the way they put the toys out there because he runs right to that display. He wants the toy. He doesn't really care about the food. That's why he wants to go to McDonald's, and they know that, and that really bothers me. But that being said, I don't feel that nearly as, as much in Skylanders, and I don't think he even feels it that much. I mean, the soul gems are a bigger problem than the doors because once they those see are the videos, commercials, those are totally commercials. That's well, what I'm glad gems? you brought that up. Yeah, yeah the explain soul, what this is, Rob. The soul gem essentially it's it's a little power. It's it's something you find in the game, and when you get it, it lets you buy an extra power for your for your character if you have that character. So you'll it find unlocks soul the gem. ultimate power basically. Oh, soul gems. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, I remember. But yeah, the, yeah, the okay. trick is when you find it, it says, "Would you like a preview?" So it shows you this little oh, yeah, 10, yeah, fifteen yeah. second video of the yeah, character commercial. doing all of its, it's abilities. Yeah. It is it is a commercial, and that is yeah, that is yeah. the biggest problem for parents is the soul gems. But uh, that, well, I, I think though that yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess for someone as liberal as myself. You know, I'm so, so much of a, you know, a personal, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's like, well, whatever the market will bear. Like, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you know I, I mean? see a little laissez-faire approach to it. <laughs> yeah. I know, well, here, I was recently at an Activision press event, and I was talking to one of the guys who's actually a, a producer for Skylanders. Um about this, and I, I was just sort of raising my reservations, and I don't mind tipping my hand, uh, and I think a, a review should be up by the time you're, you're hearing this, but I, I love Skylanders Swap Force. Uh, I, I think it's a fantastic game, but I would I say that with the caveat that it's basically a $200 game, is that uh, in order to really yeah. have this game, you, you want a Skylander of every element, and you want yep. a giant. Uh, and I'm okay with... My perspective is that the price of a game is between you and your wallet. As a reviewer, that's not really my place to tell you. But I do feel it's important to point out that Swap Force is a game built to be played with, even though you can work around this, but it's built to be played with roughly $200 worth of figures, and that's including the base price of the game. So that said, I was raising this issue about some of the collectivity and, and, and is it really healthy to to try to appeal to this in kids to one of the producers at an Activision event I was at recently. And and, and the way he talked about it, and I really uh, appreciated what he said, uh, he mentioned a few things, and one of them was um, that really kids and adults do play differently. Like, mm, yes. uh, you can tell a kid, look, I'm sorry, we and, and Brandon, this is what you were getting at, uh, you can tell a kid, look, we're not getting an air, we're not just getting an air Skylander, sorry. Uh, and kids can hear that, and they can they can learn to live with it. Um, so I, I think a, a kid might not resent, as I do as an adult, being sold a game and then being told, look, you can't get into this part of the game until you pay for it. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that's part of the problem, too. Like, you know, when... Okay, as a Transformer fan, I could tell you that, you know, scalpers are just as much of a pain in the ass for Transformers as they are for Skylanders. It's not kids that are buying armloads of these toys to then sell them on eBay. And it's not kids that are going on eBay buying them at exorbitant prices, which then cause the scalpers to do it in the first place. This is adults that are doing it. And it's the adults who are saying who and now granted these adults are kind of reacting to this notion of either, well, I got to get this so my kid can play the game the best way, or I got to get this because it's a really cool toy, or I got to get this because it's somebody told me it's rare. And, and there's a lot of that kind of marketing and all that stuff that goes into it. But I mean, I think, you know, 
sometimes these problems that we we think are there we bring about on ourselves because you know it's the, the parents who are you know trampling people uh, at Walmart on Black Friday because you know maybe Skylanders are two for twelve dollars right and, and but again that gets to my reservation is is Skylanders just helping turn kids into these kinds of adults <laughs> I don't think so and the reason I, I think that. Skylanders is a media property, just like other media properties, and um, you know, a, 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 a good parent is going to, you know, explain to their kids, look, the the reason this game is the way that it is is because they want you to buy things, plain and simple, and so it's up to you to decide, and in this case, it's up to me to decide, you know, how much of that we want to kind of go for. If we decide, yeah, this is what we want to spend our money on and we have fun doing it, that's that's our personal decision. We don't have to buy it if we don't want to. Um, but don't think that this is something that you have to do. And I mean, he and my son and I, we've had lots of discussions about how companies are not your friend. You know, they may have nice jingles and they may look like they're really cool, but companies are only there to make money and your... your uh, um, their appreciation of you as a consumer extends only so far as your ability to pay for whatever it is they're offering. Um, and I think that, you know, this may cause more, you know, kind of crying in the toy aisle, so to speak, and maybe, maybe having conversations that, you know, you'd rather not get into, but it's still your responsibility to have them. Um, and I think that if you're, you know, if you're able to have those conversations with your kids, then, you know, It'd, it'd be fine. Again, it's you know, it, like you said, it's kind of between the <coughs> excuse me, the gamer and their wallet. Well, here, here's another thing that the fellow at Activision brought up is as, as I was laying out this case to him, uh, I compared it in a way to things like like MMOs or Diablo three or Marvel Heroes. Uh, as I play Skylanders, it taps into the part of me that really likes a good action RPG with the way that you level up the Skylanders. Uh, but a, an important difference uh, that he he caught when I made the comparison, uh, and I think it's entirely fair to point this out, is MMOs, Diablo 3, Marvel Heroes, those games are built kind of to be open-ended, never-ending games. Right. Uh, another friend of mine I was talking to recently, and I was trying to get him to play Marvel Heroes with me because I'm really enjoying it. He's like, no, I'm not, I don't want to play any more games with no endings. Uh, and, and Skylanders, and what I respect about it, even though I, I haven't gotten that far with any of the characters yet, is there's kind of a... Uh, I don't know about a dead end, but there's like, there's like a stopping point you hit with each character. Yeah, I don't know that absolutely. there's any uh, end game, uh, timeless grinding uh, kind of stuff going on in, in Skylanders. I don't get that sense. Each character has a fairly small skill tree, and if well, you want you to go beyond to that, if you want to go beyond that, there are these little medals you can unlock to give them special bonuses. Um, but it's not something like World of Warcraft where it's built to make you play forever and ever and ever and ever and to re-up every month and to never stop. No, I mean, I mean, there's certainly some grinding. Lord knows I ground out my fair share of arenas to get all my characters up to, you know, to, to be levels where they're actually useful. But, but no, there's an end point. Um, there's definitely an end point to it. And so that's yeah, like each of these figures, you you get it, and you kind of it's a it's a it's almost a finite bucket. Like, and you can still play with it, of course, after that. But it's kind of like you're you're going to fill it up to this point, and then you have quote unquote finished this figure. I think. Um, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I, I it kind of reminds me in uh, what was it Defiance? I think where you talked about how when you play a gun, you get a gun max, and you don't you want to go to the next gun. 
or something like that. Skylanders does have some of that, where it's like each figure is going to have, I don't know what, roughly eight hours of play on it as you do different things with it. Mm-hmm. But I think that also kind of contributes to its open-endedness, because there are the other Skylanders that you'll then go and replay. Right. Like, the content isn't the game, the content is the figures. So you get another three or four figures, and now you go play the entire content all over again, and it's fresh right. content, because you're playing in a different way with these new abilities, and maybe even sometimes you'll go, hey, even though the guy is leveled up a lot, I really want to use his ability of XYZ right here. Right. And that's pretty cool. And Swap Force, I think, of the three, has the most advanced, what I'll call post-game content of all of them. It seems like they're just really improving that over time. And that's where, as an adult, it's really gotten its hooks into me, is the... When you first get a character, it's just got two little moves. Uh, you know, the I think the X and the uh, B button uh, on an Xbox 360. Uh, and you gradually give them a third move, and you can improve some of the moves. You can change them. You can make it do something differently if you tap the button versus hold it down. Uh, and I'm, I'm just astonished, in a good way, at how much they've put into these different moves once you build up the characters. Uh, there's, there's a lot of creativity that goes into this fairly limited control scheme for you. I mean, there's only a few buttons for each character, and they manage to put a lot of creativity in that, and and ultimately it makes the character... It really is a relatively sophisticated tactical combat sandbox in in that regard. It it Um, really is. They they take three attack buttons, one jump button in the case of Swap Force, and they do really amazing things with really weird combinations of, like, hold down one button and then flip over to another, or tap this button, then hit another, or that sort of thing. And this is really, like... Really, something I was I, I was I was fully expected to think that okay, clearly they're going to start running out of ideas. These guys are going to start feeling very similar now, and I was really surprised as I started playing some of the Swap Force characters. Now that I think backwards, I go, no, I kind of feel like the older ones are kind of a little more generic than what they're doing. It seems like, if anything, they're looking at some of the other MOBA type games and and pulling these. Frankly, some of them are kind of pretty adult dexterity based or strategy tactical-based thinking ideas from other games and dropping them on these kid figures, I guess, and it really gives you some nice meat to chew on as an adult. I sort of and got the, the, the toys are really cool. Like, I mean, we're forgetting the fact that, like, these toys are really cool. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, get, I don't know. I, I mean, for, think they're cool because I start to like them in the game. Like, I start to like the way they play, and then I think that Toy is cool, and I, Brandon, you're you're into that sort of collection in a way that I'm yeah. not. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't own any action figures. You know, I have a cow a cow from Harvest Moon, and that's it. Um, <laughs> so I, I look when these toys first arrive, I was like, what? It's a it's a, it's a robot dude, and there's a little ninja thing, and uh, I don't even know what the third one is. I forgot, uh, and and it didn't mean anything to me. But when I started playing and unlocking their abilities and seeing how they played differently, then I was like, okay, I really like this little blizzard chill chick now. Like, I, I want to put her in the front of the table when I'm going to play. I like She's my favorite. Um, yeah. But that didn't exist until I played the game, though. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's it's a weird thing that I do now, where it's it's like, I think I, I expressed this once before, it's like when I'm about to play a game, and I open up Steam, and I kind of browse through my, my games list. What I do is I, when I'm about to play Skylanders, because I this is my own personal way to really enjoy it. I, I up the difficulty, and then I only allow myself to play a certain number of them. And I'll kind of look at them, and I'll kind of turn them over in my hand, and kind of look at. And it's like because you'll see like some, you know, it's like oh yeah, I see this person's got you know this particular part of them that tells me about their abilities. And I kind of remember, and I'm like you know, I'm going to play this one and this one, and 
So it really is this kind of neat little interaction with it. But that being said, Tom, I think also, unfortunately, Swap Force is maybe the, the weakest one for for you to really appreciate the value of the figures because they, they kind of shifted back a bit with this one where they used to have uh, heroic levels where you'd go and do this level and it would really attach certain um, power or certain statistical oh, upgrades yeah, yeah, yeah. To, mm-hmm. to individual figures where this time they went a totally different direction and they have uh, your portal rank and your little pedestals that you put the items on that affects all Skylanders, which which I respect because it means you don't have to do you know, 80 heroics on, you know, or do heroics on all 80 unique figures or whatever. And it's, thank God, I, I mean, as much as I'll talk about heroics, thank God they didn't do the thing where the heroics only come on brand new bot figures, never mind what they used to unlock. So I'm yeah. very happy about that. But still, it does take away the sense of, like, it used to be when Kiddo would pick up his figure, which, by the way, is the exact same figure I have, or the exact same one uh, Patty has, they were all you unique because we had you know a different hat on them we had different uh, heroics we had run through with them so they had different statistics and that really mattered where now it's like once you have your save game file with your portal rank you know a ninja stealth elf is the same as any other ninja stealth elf you drop on that portal mostly so unfortunately i think they kind of watered down that part well i'm i'm kind of glad that i missed that heroic stuff because part of what's pulling me through it is this new idea of a, a portal master rank and it, it it sort of recognizes that you as the player, your overall saved game, you're leveling that up. And the way you level it up is by acquiring stars. And mm-hmm. I look at the that little portal master screen with all the different ways to acquire stars, and I just I'm just sort of blown away by the the content, the things I want to do there. Um, and I sort of appreciate how it lets me for the most part, do it with whatever figures I want, but then there are certain ways you can get the portal stars by focusing on figures. Uh, it it kind of ties it all together pretty well for me. Uh, and so I guess it hadn't occurred to me that previously you would have to focus on one particular figure to give him unique bonuses. Now I kind of feel like I've got a global inventory in a way, and that's where you put those legendary artifacts around the map, and that gives all your Skylanders a global bonus. But in order to unlock those slots, I have to acquire stars to raise that Portal Master rank. Um, well, I won't, I won't discount at all the Portal rank thing and the stars. It's, it's really kind of an achievement-essentially-based system, and I really like that, and I really like what yeah. that's done for the post-game. I will not discount that at all. I think that's great. What I kind of wish they did, and I don't want to go back to Heroics either, but I, I do kind of wish that you know, for Skylander 4 or 5 or whatever it ends up being, they kind of come up with a hybrid system where you don't give up the Portal Master rank and all that achievement hunting and star hunting but you still have some way to make the figures unique i, I mean right. i think i threw out in, in in my review comments was you know maybe something as simple as when you level up because you have actually a lot of dead space when you level up now because it used to be they only were 10 levels with like seven or eight abilities well now they're level 20 with still seven or eight abilities so there's right. a lot of dead space as you level up you say it's maybe- dead space but as a as a min maxer their stats are going up, though, so I'm, I care enough about their extra hit points that I don't mind that. Well, that's true, but I wouldn't mind them. I mean, I, I, of course, it would be best if they could somehow stack some extra skill trees in there, but I wouldn't mind if they let you kind of get the middle ground of the heroics where you could kind of have, like, maybe make some decisions as you level up sort of Diablo-like. It's like, you know, I want to bump up my critical hit by X number of points, and that was the decision I made on this character kind of thing, uh-huh. you know, later on. So you kind of would have both worlds. Right, right. 
Uh, Brandon, why don't you have Swamp Force yet? What's going on? Um, because um, <laughs> I think I'm going to... I was waiting until the PS4 came out. I was oh, oh, right, right, right. That, that whole awkward thing of being perched on a next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to have it. In fact, we've always had it on two systems because that's another cool thing about the physical form of figures that right. you don't really get as much of it when you have a, you know, a household where you have full control of all TVs and everything. You know, when you can actually use these figures as mini save files that bounce between systems or bounce bounce between households, it's cool. So we've always had two. Well, this year I'm also waiting for the PS4, and I'm, I'm trying to wean myself off of Skylanders right now and not push too much into the post games, so that, or not level up characters that I haven't touched, so that when the PS4 hits, it will kind of be fresh again with the new characters and right. play it through with you know, the really really nice graphics because they do have essentially tiered graphics, and the next gen will be nicer. Well, uh, um, go ahead. Brandon. One thing I want to point out is like I got a lot of utility out of my figures because I played all the mobile games too. Um, and in fact, they had a free-to-play uh, kind of it's called Lost Islands, like a city-building game that I played. Um, I mean, I completely maxed out the level and, and everything, and so you can use your figures uh, in those games as well. How does that? So, how do you use your figures in a mobile game? Yeah, you 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 could you buy a Bluetooth portal, and then you flip the purple double trouble that came with it on eBay to uh, pay for the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the mobile one that you bought. No, they sell a um, so they there's three mobile games: Skylanders, um, Battlegrounds, Lost Islands, and um, Cloud Patrol. Cloud Patrol is like a shoot like a shooting range game. Lost Islands is just like city builder. And Battlegrounds is actually this really cool kind of real time. It's kind of an action RPG. It's like hex based, so you, so you move your characters to this hex on a map, and then uh, you pick like two guys, and then they send enemies at you, and they have like three or four moves each, and then you use all touch controls to to kind of pop off different powers. Uh, and so the uh, when you bought Battlegrounds, it came with a Bluetooth portal that could sync with your your iPhone, your iPad, whatever. And then if you bring your figures um, into the game, uh, you can bring your figures into all the games. And then also, um, you know, each that web code that comes with uh, your figures, right. you can use that code and bring them into your mobile games that way. But oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but when you do that, you're, at least they used to do it, there used to be a limit. So, for example, you know, you could only use the web code um, like three times or something like that. But then that's not going to feed into your character's advancement, though. Like the the no. web code, yeah, yeah. No, it just unlocks in a different place. And Brandon actually brings up a good point. So even when you buy that one figure, traditionally when people talk about Skylanders, they're talking about the console, main console version of the game, but you can play it in these other realms, and they are completely different games, and even more so the portable versions of the game on 3DS. They're completely different games, even though they share the name. The same figure that you might have and play it in Swap Force, you right. can then use to load it into the 3DS version of the game, which is a completely different game. They even have completely different abilities, so it really becomes even a further multiplicative of the figures you have. Right. Didn't um, didn't Vicarious Visions make those uh, those versions, the 3DS and the DS versions? Uh, as far as I understand, the timeline is early on, Vicarious Visions did the Spyro's Adventure 3DS. At the same time, they were working on Swap Force, and they've been working on Swap Force since oh, okay. the beginning. And I guess they must have switched over the team or just did everybody on Swap Force for a long time. And then with this generation, they pretty much are doing the main console releases, whereas other companies are, are handling the peripheral platforms. Okay. We'll, we'll, you know, the theory is next year, either it's going to be flipped back for Toys for Bob or it's going to be some sort of hybrid adventure uh, next year. Right. Well, the, uh, the, the real 
one of the real tests for, for me tonight is I have a weekly uh, gathering. Some folks come over, we'll play board games or something on the, the LAN or, or whatever. Uh, is I, I've decided that, and I, I think this is new for me, is that uh, this idea of leveling up Skylanders and, and getting them where you've got most of their moves unlocked um, and then playing either the horde mode or the little head-to-head modes is a latter-day version of what Toys for Bob did with Star Control 2 and Unholy War. Uh, and I, so so ha- that's how I'm going to try to sell this to other adults tonight. <laughs> we'll we'll I, see if it takes. I did the and, same. And, and Rob, yeah, I know that's and that's inspired by you. You had adult night when Skylanders first arrived, but you hadn't leveled the dudes up, right? So no, they weren't they weren't as leveled up, and I unfortunately didn't have all the arenas unlocked, which I would have right. really liked going into that. But I I wasn't sure. I mean, one of one of the adults was a father and and kind of had that angle, but. You know, he's also a very grizzled gamer. The other one is completely grizzled gamer, no interest in kid-type games. And I was actually very curious how they would handle it. And both of them came out of the evening saying, this is not a kid's game. This is really cool, but the price point's a problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I, I fully I fully expect the father will get over that price point very soon uh, or be forced over the price point hurdle. And, and if there was an online component, I think the other adult that has no kids he would then be brought into it because there's really no way for him to go home at, you know, like we all do as adults. There's no way for him to go home to his house or for me to be home in my house and for us to like play online together in an arena that just doesn't work. Right. So modern uh, life being, I'm sorry. There, there are uh, leaderboards though, Rob, which is why I'm, I'm bitterly disappointed. You're not playing on the 360. <sighs> well, and I'm wondering, are you going to be picking up the PS4 version? Cause I kind of was like, Oh, I think we're going to miss our, the same versions. Cause I'm, the 360 is kind of, a, you know, it's it's way in its sunset era. era uh, so, yeah, because one of the main draws for me, uh, the, the unifying draw for me is that Portal Master rank, and that's tied to whatever platform you're playing on. Uh, I don't really see myself transitioning to another uh, uh, platform for this. Like, I, I think I'm thinking of this as, a for me, a, a 360 game. Um, and I also, uh, I know, Rob, you were happy with how it looked, and probably a lot of that has to do with having seen it in, in the previous versions. I, I'm not really, I mean, it, it can be pretty, but I, the, the visual appeal for me is pretty, uh, I, I guess the visuals don't appeal to me as much as they did to, to you. Um, you know, there's some imaginative worlds, and I like some of the palettes and the artwork and stuff, but uh, I, I'm not that interested in seeing what a next-gen graphics engine can do for it. Um, well, I guess that's part of that is, I think, our jumping in point where I've I've ground through Spyro Adventures right. and Giants, and it, it is such a... I mean, imagine if the only way you had to play this was essentially on Wii-level graphics. Right. You yeah. go from that to not only 360, but to next-gen graphics, which is what I saw at Vicarious Visions, and that's when it's, it looks so much... I mean, it really is very nice, and I really appreciate what they've done for it. And, I mean, the franchise has become... I don't know. I mean, I really... Six months ago, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I don't, what, how this is going to work long term. But at this point, it's become such a, um, a a touching point for for kiddo and 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 our interaction that it just has a special place. So even though I realize it's not going to be able to stand up next to, you know, Call of Duty or whatever, which and granted it's a completely different thing with a very watered down palette and you know super violent, super ultra real graphics, but. I don't know. I still appreciate what they're... It's sort of like a Ratchet and Clank kind of thing. I mean, I really yes. appreciate what they're yeah. doing with it in their own way. And to see it really brought up to a high depth... It, it's like Monster Hunter. When you saw Monster Hunter go from 
you know, all low res to then HD. Granted, sure. it's not HD on the level of other HD, but suddenly your franchise you're really invested in already to see it brought up is was really nice. And the same thing with Skylanders to see it bump up to a more modern look to it, and knowing that it's what it's going to look like further is it, it works for me. All right, so what I hear is that there's no hope of you getting on the leaderboards for the Xbox 360, and that furthermore, you won't be able to play Skylanders for another, what is it, two weeks now? <sighs> three weeks? Uh, three weeks. Yeah. yeah, have fun not playing Skylanders for three weeks. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Brandon, can I trust you to, to choose the right platform? Uh, probably not. I'll, I'll, I'll probably end up with that on the PS4 as well. All right, Brandon, I will be on the leaderboard. And well, where's the problem Tom? Is, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of need a reason to keep my PS4 pre-order, to be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah, Killzone. That doesn't do it for you. <laughs> I don't know. I know Killzone is great because Killzone is uh, is actually uh, it's, in me. It's a it's a grand farcical comedy about the universe's most inept uh, military squad. Um, <laughs> so I'm interesting to see how they manage to uh, end the next game. Uh, last last uh, one ended with a, a near genocidal level of incompetence. So that's going to be interesting to see how they top that. Uh, for me, Killzone is definitely the draw, but but still, I won't discount discount it. Skylanders on PlayStation Four, and one of the things that is really nice about this franchise, unlike others, that really early on struck me as a complete gimmick, but now that they're three games deep, it really does resonate with me. Is the fact that you can take your figures and play in another game. Right. What I at this point, I understand. Okay, first two games for me are on 360, but now if I get this swap horse on. PS4 and theoretically the entire rest of the franchise will be on PS4 because I'm sure they'll be roughly on the same track unless Skylanders goes forever or PS4 doesn't go very long. That means, you know, if I get Swap Force on PS4, that means five games down the road I can play all those figures all the way from Swap Force forward on the PS4 with, with its generation of graphics. So... Uh, well, before we wrap up the discussion, are there any other kids' games that I'm missing that you guys feel also work for adults? I, well, I would go the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, my kid and his friends are all like super into Minecraft, and I think that's an adult that started right. as like an adult game that that ends up then being a really big draw. I, I uh, wonder if yeah, I can't imagine kids. that Marcus Person ever expected that. Yeah, no, um, uh, no. I mean, I, I I can't. Nothing readily comes to mind. I mean, I. I I have not played. I have absolutely zero interest in Disney Infinity, so I have no idea if it has the same kind of Skylanders draw. I've uh, I've heard that adults. it's very different. It has a very different approach um, from Skylanders, uh, but I'm with you, Brandon. Is that that has no appeal for me at this point? Yeah, Infinity for me is. I mean, I've heard it's kind of a little bit more in the the building sort of thing. But going back to your market thing, Infinity to me has a big warning sign over it where. That I don't really want to open up that Pandora's box of like pursuing multiple, you know, two hundred ish type dollar games every yeah. fall. That's that scares me. So, uh, you guys will see if you hold out when uh, Disney starts folding in their Marvel and Star Wars properties. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I don't really <laughs> like. For me, the thing about Disney Infinity that really bugs me is the random, you know, is having these um, having these powers that are basically blind bagged. 
Like, I don't like that at all. I think that, at least with Skylanders, like, if you just do a little bit of research, and let me tell you, I have done my fair share of teaching parents in the toy aisle, you know, what exactly you get, what you need, what you can do, what you can't do, that kind of thing. Um, I think that, you know, with Skylanders, you do your research, you know, okay, this is exactly what I will get. This is what I will have to buy if I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And you can kind of make those decisions. You know, like, Infinity does this kind of gross power disc thing where you know oh you can buy a bag but you don't know what's in the bag and yeah the power oh, right. they stack but if what you want is a really cool power well then you know then you're just kind of buying these bags they're selling the booster packs like in a card game right yeah, yeah and I, that to me is, yeah. is just kind of gross right right uh, let me uh, just briefly bring up um, anytime a game has that goofy little Mario plumber in it I want nothing to do with that is that yeah. an adult kid divide, or is that just my own baggage? No, I don't. I don't like it either. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think of... that's an adult kid. I think that's. Go ahead, Rob. Sorry. I, I was just going to say, I, I I think I've kind of outgrown the, at least most of the platformers, and, and the Mario's just don't don't call to me anymore. Uh, they just, I don't know. It's, I guess when I was thinking about this question about and this may drive your your movie critic side crazy but when i was thinking about the question originally it seems like there's kind of this weird break and i'm not sure what to do with when someone says kids game and you know air quotes and it seems like on the one hand in movie terms there's a pixar type movie where it's yeah. clearly for kids but it's got some hooks for parents well it's you know, just though, extremely well made so it can be appreciated by both yeah but not necessarily enough so that somebody of an older age group would necessarily go and hunt down and watch a bunch of toy stories or right i mean maybe they will but they but then it seems to me what we're kind of brushing into the territory is and this is where tom cringes something more like a transformers or a star wars movie where it's something that an adult would would potentially just go see completely on their own but yet it still has hooks to keep the kids interested so it seems like some of these games are things that are are interesting to both without being alienated to either and I think that's where we're kind of touching on is this kind of weird ground where it's not really kids' games or adults' games. It's something that really applies to both. I will tell you that anybody making a, air quotes, kids' game, and I certainly heard a fair bit of this at Activision, is going to invoke Pixar at every opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I'm sure they would. I mean, that's the gold standard, right? Like, Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, something interesting that I noticed in my trip to Vicarious Visions is there's there was a lot, and especially if you go back in a lot of the marketing, there's a lot of talk about Skylanders as kid game, Skylanders as kid game, Skylanders as kid game. But it seems like there's a there's a an opening up of of the idea that well, no, this is a family game. This is something right. We, we can't believe it because I mean you have to think about how demographics have changed. Now the adults that have kids are people that played games as children. So now this is a completely new thing. With with I was at I was at Target you know, hunting down like one of the one of the rare things for Swap Force at Target. And there was a mother there who I'm sure has no interest in video games who was talking about trying to find different girl characters to play with her son in this game. And it's a totally different thing. And I think it's kind of a, an idea that's that's growing now. Rob, I'm so glad you used that language because, I, I, yeah, why aren't we talking about it in, in that language rather than kids' games that adults can enjoy, referring to it as a family game, something that people, both kids and adults, can enjoy and ideally can enjoy together. Uh, and right. there can be some sense of community or conversation or, or connection there. Right. Uh, and like I, I, when, like, 
we we used to play the Just Dance games just like like that because they are our fantastic family games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good. Well, uh, yeah. So I'm on the record as being very uh, pro. Well, I'll, I will shortly be on the record as, as absolutely loving the Skylanders <laughs> thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do have some reservations about it. But I think also, just as an adult, if you're if you're listening, I know we have a lot of listeners who don't have children. If you're listening and you're not a parent and you're just into video games. I think if you like action RPGs and you're okay with spending $150, $200 on one of them, Skylanders is a pretty awesome action RPG. So uh, kids game, adult game, family game, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm really enjoying this thing. Um, so uh, thank you guys for joining me. If you're listening uh, and are curious what's coming up next week, let me give you a little teaser. Let's see. Uh, d- do you like pinball? I'll just put that out there we'll, or see where it goes from there. Uh, so I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Brandon Kukowski-Schnell and Rob Harvey. Gentlemen, thank you guys for, uh, for for joining me. What is on your plate for the final week of October to play as, as we're working our way through Halloween into November? Uh, Brandon, what do you got going? Um, I have um, Arkham uh, Origins on its way to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, continuing to um, rank up in GTA Online how, and finish how much, GTA Five. How much concern do you have about Arkham Origins not being a uh, what are they called Riot? What was the name of the developer? Not Riot. Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't they do a game called Riot? Is that what I'm thinking of? Mm, I don't know. Maybe Urban Riot. I thought they did a game called Urban Riot. Okay, but uh, do you have any concern that uh, the new Batman game is not by Rocksteady? Um. I have my my um, expectations are diminished. I think appropriately, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not. It'd be like saying, "Are you concerned the sun is going to come up tomorrow?" I mean, I know, I know, I, I, I'm pretty much expecting this game to not be as good as Rocksteady games. If it is 75 percent as good as the Rocksteady games, That's then a pretty I good will game be, still. I will be happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Rob, what do you got going this week? I, I gotta say, I, I'm. I think I'm just gonna keep kind of plugging away a bit at the Pokemon Y because I feel I feel like I'm almost to the point where I'm gonna kind of like be one of the cool guys that understands the franchise, and then it's gonna just open up in front of me. So I'm probably gonna tinker around with that as I try to not watch too much Swap Force being played around me so that I can enjoy that much more. <laughs> oh, so it's like Swap Force is still going on in the house. You're just having to excuse yourself from it, you're saying. Oh, Swap Force is a big thing in the house still. Right, and, right. And I'm getting a little bit of the stink eye because I'm trying to kind of back away from it right. uh, for a few weeks. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And do you have at this point a favorite Pokemon? Is that even a question? That Actually, who's your, mo- who's your Pokemon MVP at this point? Or do you have one? So let me put it this way. I'm kind of frustrated because going into it, again, knowing Pikachu and only Pikachu, I was told by Kiddo that I have to get Zacharon or Zacafron or something like that, which I guess is for the Zac- black. Zacafron? Yeah. <laughs> what? He's a... Yes, in there? exactly. Yeah. He's fallen on hard times. <laughs> and I was so disappointed that I couldn't pick him up in this game because I thought, you know, this game just has all the other stuff and I'm realizing how the game is completely segmented so that you'd have to play each game to have certain characters and now I'm kind of like oh bummed because he was really excited about that he kept telling me how all his friends played that character and he really liked that character I'm like oh that's fine I'll go find that character that'd be a really great and, yeah not so much <laughs> it's a little bit like being shown one of those doors in Skylanders where you don't have to figure to, to get into it isn't it uh, a little worse it's like finding a soul gem for something that you have to then ah uh, yep 
yeah, go and devote a lot of time and some money to go and do. And time, as an adult, is a pretty darn precious resource to go and devote. Yeah, I'm not going to go play through a whole game to go find one character. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, uh, so thanks, you guys, and uh, everyone listening. Come on back next week for some uh, discussion about something pinball-related. Also, follow us on Twitter. We're at at QT3, the letter Q, the letter T, the number 3. Uh, like us on Facebook, and we love it when you rate us on iTunes. So I am Tom Chick, and on behalf of myself, Brandon Kukowski-Schnell, and Rob Harvey, thanks for joining us, and we'll see everyone next week. Skylander, she deserve more respect. Tom, are you prepared to be sued by PBS? <laughs> Bring it. <laughs>